0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that attempts to inform you about everything that you probably would be a lot happier if you didn't know about. Um, I'm Kevin Barrett, and Jay Mike Springman is with me this week. Hey, welcome, Jay Mike.
1: Thank you kindly. I'm happy to be here. I think we act as the, the quality assurance on regular news.
0: Well, that's what we do. Um, however, right now... We actually need a little help with our fundraiser if we're going to keep acting as quality assurance. We're kind of pathetically behind. At Last I looked, $70 raised for this broadcast and nothing for next week yet. Next week, E. Michael Jones is coming on, so we have a J Mike and an E Mike. But I might take a vacation after that if we don't catch up on the fundraiser. So uh that said, let's move on to go through our obligatory disclaimers. Okay, we're, we're very, very sorry that we question everything and, and we apologize and beg your forgiveness for that. And, and next, uh, we uh, are very disturbing and we beg your forgiveness for that as well. And finally, we, uh, have mental and mental health problems. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> uh, we don't treat medical or mental health problems on the show. And so come to us after the show and we'll fix you right up. Okay. Here we go. Trump world stories. Uh well, it's Biden world now. It was Trump World before. It's hard to tell which one is worse. Um uh, Biden flips, he flops, he floops. Uh, one day he's not going to send these intermediate intermediate range missiles to Ukraine that could hit Russia and start World War Three. the next day he is, and so on and so forth. Well, last I heard he was, so he's crossed out the no in that headline. Byte now bites Biden vows World War Three. Um is that
1: good news, Mike? <laughs> no, definitely it's not. He's making these crazy statements about giving missiles to the uh Yuki-fied Nazis over there to sink the Russian Black Sea Fleet. And he seems to think that he can get away with that. Of course, he thinks he can get away with murder and does.
0: Yeah. Threatening to sink the Black Sea Fleet. Uh, what could possibly go wrong with that? Like we sink a <laughs> Russian ship. It's not like the, the Russians certainly couldn't sink any of our ships in this day and age when these ships are totally just sitting ducks to the new generation of missiles, which Russia leads the world in. Uh, so we're going to get a tit for tat. Uh That'll be the end of all of the world's navies, maybe, or at least the, the big ones. Maybe that's good. I don't know, uh, but I, I, you know, I sometimes cheer for Navy when they play Army in the, the Army-Navy football game, and I kind of hate to see every single ship down at in Davy Jones' locker. So, so I think Biden is off his rocker. But let's let's move on to some more uh, hideous, horrible, depressing news to cheer you all up. Um, okay, let's. This week, the big hoopla in the mainstream media was, of course, the January sixth hearings. Well, uh here's a picture of the media coverage. You know, CNN, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, uh, Fox, uh, Reuters, everybody is playing the uncensored, the un, uh unfiltered feed from Nancy Pelosi about these hearings. It's almost like a televised show trial, Mike.
1: Well, I think I kind of got to agree with that. I mean, it's not quite the old Soviet style Show trials where you had uh, legislation crafted to uh, to do that. Uh, but this is more of the Democrats, uh, or maybe the Dumbo fear of losing badly in the November elections. And uh, unless they can put Miley Cyrus swinging on a ball hanging from the House ceiling and as part of the halftime show, uh, I think nobody's really going to watch that nonsense.
0: Well, they're complaining already about how the public isn't enamored of this show. And, of course, the the criticism we're getting from the Republican side is that the Democrats want to distract us from the gas prices, supply shortages, inflation, the stock market crashes, uh, and being on the brink of war on three, count them, three fronts, war on Russia, war on China, and war on Iran all at the same time um, as crime is spiking. And so if you just sit back and watch the January 6 hearings, you'll forget about all of that and realize that. Trump and the Trump supporters are a greater threat, so we must all go ahead and vote for these lunatics who are <laughs> destroying the world even faster than Trump did. Oh, boy. Uh, and what's, what's our next slide here? Um, the, uh, oh, that, that next one is, uh, we're going to go for, through some reactions to these January 6th hearings from both sides of the political divide. Uh, this one is uh, another one from, from UNS uh, by James Kirk, Kirkpatrick. His claim, which I think has some validity here, is that, quote, regimes in trouble usually look for a foreign scapegoat, but the Biden regime is instead picking on a domestic enemy, namely Trump supporters and ordinary Americans, who, of course, are not mutually exclusive categories. And uh, I think he's right, and that's weird, and it may not be a good political strategy, because you know the the philosophy and, and political philosophy of scapegoating, which is what neoconservatism is all about, says that the art of politics is all about bringing people together in shared hatred of a domestic or foreign enemy. And typically, if the enemy isn't foreign, it's domestic. It has to be a kind of a small, powerless, marginalized group. But I don't think the Trump supporters and ordinary Americans are that small and marginalized. They're really just about half of the politically active. Nation, So half the nation trying to scapegoat the other half. And of course, that's not saying that the the Trump side won't scapegoat the Democrats, too, if they get the chance. But it just shows that there's total dysfunction here. And uh, I I don't see how this is going to work. I still suspect that because of the economy and other issues, the Democrats are probably going to get slaughtered in the next set of elections and a couple of years worth, probably. And do you think the Republicans are going to turn around and do exactly the same thing, Mike, uh, scapegoat the Democrats and keep the politics of division going?
1: Well, that's the new American politics. That's uh, It's grown up over the years. This is something that happened overnight. Uh, they started, uh, what is it, half a dozen years ago, raving about Trump. And now that Trump's out of office, they're still raving about Trump. And uh, Kirkpatrick's analysis, I think, is is pretty good. And, uh, you know, the idea is you, you now have these enemies are, uh, like in Loudoun County, uh, outside of DC, uh, where parents, uh, want to control the schools and don't want the schools teaching about, uh, how good it is to be a transvestite and get puberty blockers. Uh, and, uh, anybody who gets on uh, Facebook, of course, owns those to get on Facebook because it's blocked and espouses things like holding people accountable for their actions and, uh, questioning the received wisdom given to the news media by the federal government. Uh, you know, yeah, they, they, they are the domestic terrorists, according to uh, uh, Mr. Garland, who I was told by a Jewish journalist named used to be Garfinkel.
0: Interesting. Well, the Garland raids, uh, is, <laughs> that's what Kirkpatrick is calling them. Uh, that harks back to the Palmer raids uh, back after World War I, when anarchists and left-wingers were the targets and uh, here it's the January 6th insurrectionists. Um, well, in the, in the next story, uh, the Proud Boys are on the hot seat here. Uh, their top leadership apparently is charged now with seditious conspiracy. Apparently they may have tweeted something about the Winter Palace, suggesting that they wanted to do to D.C. what the Bolsheviks did to Moscow. Some would argue that it's the other side that's doing that. In any case, uh, the lawyer for the Proud Boys says to bring these sedition charges at this late date without alleging a single new fact against them is simply wrong. Uh, I'm looking over what's in the media now. It seems that sedition is a pretty heavy charge here. And perhaps more importantly, these are the small fry. If there really was a conspiracy to try to keep Trump in office, and I think there was just like there was a conspiracy to get rid of them. (laughs) They were both conspiracies. Neither side was playing by the rules. Uh, I certainly don't think that the Proud Boys, and certainly not the poor schmucks who were demonstrating in D.C. and walked into the Capitol, are the people that should be held accountable for it. I think the people that, that actually were doing the conspiring in the first place should be accountable. What do you think, Mike?
1: Well, the Proud Boys are a small, marginalized group with some rather bizarre beliefs. And they're easy targets for the, the, this coordinated uh, attack on anybody that doesn't agree with uh, the Democrat cheek of the great American behind. I think we also had to look at very carefully the Antifa and Black racism matters riots, arson, looting, and uh, general insurrection all through 2020. Uh, and even before that, uh, no, none of them were charged with sedition uh, when they burned uh, St. John's Church in Lafayette Square across from the White House.
0: But burning a church is an insurrection.
1: Yeah, well. Uh, they it's uh, just they blasphemy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, they, uh, you know, it was just basically, uh, yeah, we can ride and do whatever we want. And uh, we're fine because we're demonstrating for equal justice under law, which seemed kind of strange to me. But uh, nobody looks at that. They were all worried about the Proud Boys and the, uh, the few crackpots that uh, got into the Capitol and did some minor mischief. Uh, we both know people who were down there, and they said that it was largely a peaceful demonstration.
0: Yeah, there, it was a big demonstration, and a tiny minority of the people there even went into the Capitol. And of that group, a tinier, a vastly tinier minority actually did anything violent or obviously illegal. Um, and it does look like, you know, the people who did do the illegal and violent stuff did got the focus and the brunt of these prosecutions, but they also went after a whole lot of people that didn't. So it seems to be a pretty broad uh, prosecution here. And, you know, the Proud Boys weren't the only slightly dubious right-wing group hanging around D.C. on January 6th. How about the Yukro Nazis? That's <laughs> right. There were four Ukrainian Nazis uh, who fly around, who frequent flyers on U.S. military planes. And hopefully we do have this slide, which I tried to shoehorn in early this morning. Uh, these Ukrainian Nazis were photographed with Q Shaman. or one of them. Their leader was, you know, like high-fiving a kind of with Q Shaman. Uh who, who are these guys? And, and then it was used by the mainstream media uh, briefly and obscurely. Uh, t- they tried to claim that these were Russian agents. It turns out that, no, these were Yukro-Nazis who were actually wanted by the Russian-supported uh people's autonomous governments in the Donbass. Uh, so these are hardcore Yukro-Nazis of the same type that the U.S. is currently funding to wage war on Russia. And what were they brought over here by the U.S. military and sent into the capitol um inquiring minds want to know but i don't think we're going to find out from pelosi's commission
1: no no not fancy nancy uh she's too busy uh trying to be president
0: yeah well uh there she is in the secession chain which it's with biden and and commissar Carmela in front of her i think that's all that she has to you know all they're the only two who have to go down before nancy's president uh it's not completely uh beyond uh possibility Okay, well, I guess we don't have the slide for the Yuko-Nazis in the Capitol, but take my word for it. There's a, a pretty good photo of the leader of them right there with Q. Shaman, and his buddy. Uh, again, this would suggest that there was a federal provocateur uh, element to what happened at the Capitol. Oh, like not- the, yeah, <laughs> the dubious Ray Epps, who have played a huge role in getting people to go into the Capitol, never got prosecuted for it, and is said to be some kind of federal provocateur. And we don't know anything about that, uh, at least not officially. Moving on. To the next, let's, I think we do have another slide here somewhere. This, oh yeah, this is the World Socialist website take on this. And I, you know, for left-wing perspectives, I like this website. And their argument here, which I think is a pretty good one, is that, quote, a handful of fa- fascist foot soldiers, small fry in the coup, will be charged while leading figures in the Republican party who organized and led the conspiracy, such as Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino, the chief of staff and deputy chief of staff for Trump, Uh, respectively. They're the ones who organized and led the conspiracy, and they walk free. Um, Now, to the extent there was a conspiracy, of course, it was, you could call it a constitutional coup because they were trying to play by the rules officially while subverting them, perhaps unofficially. But there was a plan to throw the election back to the House by seating. uh these kinds of second uh, groups of electors are having a fight about which groups of electors from certain states, including Georgia, would be seated, and then that would lead to, quote, a disputed election, throw it back to the House, which then re Trump. That was the actual conspiracy, not protesting at the Capitol. But nobody involved in that actual conspiracy, which and they're the ones who probably wanted to have a big distraction at the Capitol to make that happen, while the other side wanted the Capitol distraction to get out of hand so they could do exactly what they did. And none of these actual conspiracies are being prosecuted. We're just seeing these low-level people being blamed.
1: Well, I kind of take exception to that article. I normally like the World Socialist website. I think they are cut to the heart of the matter, but I think in this case, It's more of this uh, anti-Trump, anti-demonization of people who protested a questionable election. Uh, And uh, they had an awful lot of people uh, down there demonstrating. And then somehow they're all uh, demonized by this this site, which surprises me. Uh, I think in addition, uh, it's more of this, uh, we've got to get rid of Trump. We hate Trump. We hate Trump's memory. We hate his very existence. Trump is responsible for everything in America, including high gas prices. So I I think that uh, it's... uh, it's less than balanced, let's say.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And I would add that I would have been in favor of people demonstrating quite raucously at and perhaps even inside the Capitol after a whole lot of other dubious and stolen elections. The 2000 election, the 2004 election certainly are qualified. Uh And so Americans were really angry that their elections are totally untrustworthy, and they go and raise hell in Washington, D.C. should be seen as national heroes. And everybody, left and right, should support them at least that much far, at least as far as saying, yes, none of our national elections are trustworthy. We need to totally redo it and do hand-counted paper ballots. And if we don't, um, it's all just, you know, it's, it's nonsense. Democracy is, is a fraud and a sham. We should all be able to agree on that, left, right, center, up, down, whatever. Um, however, of course, the mainstream institutions don't want you to know that. Uh, and, and so this particular lack of balance that you've cited in this article, I, I agree up to a point, Mike, uh, is matched by perhaps an even greater lack of balance in the next article from the Tom Hartman report, which argues not completely uh, wrongly, that Republicans abandoned democracy back in 1960 with Nixon. And ever since then, uh, just about every single election has featured crooked Republicans trying to uh, overthrow democracy. And install their guy through all of these criminal tricks and a lot of these anecdotes that he cites are actually true um not so much 1960 he you know tom hartman says that the problem with the 1960 election was that richard nixon was scheming to try to overthrow castro with an early bay of pigs operation that never got off the ground well it never got off the ground so that didn't happen and in fact, in 1960, the dead people voting in Chicago mm. and Texas put JFK in office. So uh focusing entirely on Republicans, which Hartman does throughout this entire article, is obviously highly misleading. However, he's right about a whole lot of these issues where Nixon did in, in 1968 uh, conspire to prevent a peace deal with Vietnam that Johnson was pushing for that would have thrown the election to the Democrat Humphrey. Uh, that's true. And that was treason, as Johnson said. And likewise, uh, more treason happened with uh, Bush and the October surprise with Iran-Contra. And uh, there are a number of other incidents like this that we could go over as well. So, yeah, the Republicans have done all of these things. However, the Democrats have done many of the same things, and Hartman never mentions it.
1: Well, Hartman is someone I thoroughly dislike. I think he may well be the person who got me off of RT uh, when RT was broadcast here in, in D.C., Uh, Hartman, I've been told, uh, used to have ties to the CIA when he was in Germany, uh, and he would broadcast the most remarkably biased uh, statements uh, on his show on RT when it was on. Uh, I think in addition, I know people who've written into RT saying they're fed up with RT. They won't watch it anymore because of Hartman. And of course, Hartman, of course, uh, he hates Nixon. Everybody hates Nixon, uh, even though Nixon has been dead for years. Uh, but he seemed to have left out the business of uh, the Democrats uh, suing in Texas, Montana, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania to keep the uh, Green Party off the ballot in the 2020 election uh, because they would lose votes to the Republicans. So I, I think that uh, it was a remarkably biased and unclear article, and uh, Tom Harpin needs to be held accountable for his nonsense.
0: Well, I, I think most of the facts cited in the article are are true, although some are distorted. Uh, and what you know, some of them really need to be mentioned, like the two thousand Bush coup, where that the New York Times uh, published a, a article based on a year's worth of research and hand counting that showed that in fact Gore clearly won that election. He because he won Florida. And the Times was all set to publish that article, actually, when 9-11 happened, uh, very conveniently, uh, putting it on the back burner. So they didn't publish it until November of 2001. Um, and they deliberately played it way down because they were trying to unite the country behind a war on Islam triggered by the 9-11 false flag operation that would end up murdering more than 20 million Muslims. Uh, and we could go on and on and on about this, but... At least Hartman is exposing some of the corruption in high places related to American elections. And I would just love to see a Republican come along and write an article just like this about the Democrats (laughs) Uh, and about the fact that Nixon uh, actually was himself deposed in an undemocratic coup d'etat led by Bob Woodward. Uh, among other people who was working for the office of naval intelligence it was financed by uh, some big money people and run through uh, the u.s military it was a it was a coup d'etat watergate was it was a coup and uh, hartman ignores all of that and so many other things but he does most of what he writes here is true anyway moving on to this uh disputed election issue. Um, again, we shouldn't trust our elections. Just the latest example here is we just learned that in the May 24th primary in DeKalb County, Georgia, there was a massive difference between the electronic vote count and the hand recount. Uh, and 2100, uh, 2810, uh more votes were cast than initially reported, and the results were wildly skewed. So we can't trust the voting machines, and yet everybody's voting on voting machines. So maybe we should be going to D.C. with torches and pitchforks. And maybe those people protesting the stolen election of 2020, which may or may not have been any more stolen than most other American elections, are onto something. Maybe we really need to fix this problem.
1: Well, even the Washington Post in the last couple of weeks carried an article on the Dominion Company's electronic voting machines saying that they could be easily hacked. And these same voting machines apparently are widely used in 15 or 20 states across the country. So uh, uh, I don't uh, really like this uh, electronic voting machine business. I think uh, the old system of putting marks on a sheet of paper at, at the polling booth uh, by pulling a lever and then pulling another lever uh, comes down to uh, uh, unfalsifiable elections unless you're, you're hiding the uh, people using erasers on the pencil marks.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Hand counted paper ballots are the one, uh, nearly fraud proof method. Um, so let's, let's get back to that. And, uh, unfortunately the entire establishment is united in making sure that we don't because they want to be able to tweak elections when they feel they need to. And yeah, I think 90% of the establishment did want to get rid of Trump in 2020. So they did tweak the election one way or another, whether it was by hiding Hunter Biden's laptop story or long list of other things. So overall, I think those protesters were, were onto something, although a lot of their, uh, Uh, But not the stuff they were believing. Uh, Much of that probably wasn't true. Maybe some of it was. Who knows? Probably never find out. Moving on to the censorship issue. Okay, the evil white nationalists uh, staging an insurrection in the Capitol, even though none of them had any weapons, but it was still an insurrection. Those people are such a threat to the Republic that we need to crack down and go after the conspiracy forums. Hey, like False Flag Weekly News. That's right. The DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis assesses that these platforms have seized on the Uvalde shooting to spread disinformation and incite grievances, uh, including claims it was a government staged event made to advance gun control measures. Well, that's what I was just talking about with Helen Byniski on my radio show last night and about how Chertoff is the new Ministry of Truth guy at DHS and he's coming for us. <laughs> uh, are you ready? Yes. You're ready for Chertoff.
1: Yes, I have a machine gun in my basement and a howitzer in my garage.
0: And he's not going to get it from you unless he pries it from your cold, dead fingers. Exactly. (laughs) Well, it's a sweeping threat to free expression, that's for sure. The DHS and its Ministry of Truth, which is still not dead, even though Nina Jankowicz has been retired, thankfully, but replaced by Chertoff, (laughs) top-level 9-11 suspect, hardly an improvement uh and so over in the UK we also have a sweeping threat to free expression there's a new national security bill that says that any journalist that's getting any kind of, uh, involved in it can be paid from abroad in any way shape or form and maybe that'll even include like include crowdfunding so i mean i get donations i assume i'm getting some donations from a whole probably 20 30 other countries that keep me going here in very small amounts and so if i were in the UK doing the independent journalism that i do If I disclosed any leaked information that would, quote, prejudice the safety or interests of the U.K. government, they could throw me in prison for life. Wow. Life in prison for journalists exposing leaked information that embarrasses the government. Hey, welcome to the free world.
1: No, exactly right. I mean, you get honoraria for making uh, uh, political commentary from various uh, news organizations. Uh, You know, that'll put you in the box. uh, And Preeti Patel will will beat you with his lathie stick. Yeah,
0: my my Amazon royalties come from many countries. Uh, you know uh, the world is stitched together these days it's It's a globalist uh, paradise, and we're all getting funded to some extent from outside whatever borders we may be in. Uh, and I guess that means we better be real careful what we say about the u k government. Uh, well, moving on to more uh dystopia news. uh Mike Pompeo, uh, who is probably responsible for COVID-19 and killing 15 to 20 million people worldwide and over a million here in the U.S. with his botched biological attack on China and Iran, again, read Ron Unz's work on that for The Proof, um, is also a, a murderer in a much smaller sense in that he, well, an attempted murder. He, he plotted to kill Julian Assange, and now a Spanish court wants to get him over there and depose him. Uh, I say, rendition Mike Pompeo.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But I don't think it's going to happen, though. I, I, oh, come I on, think let's get him. <laughs> I mean, all
0: you need is like a garbage bag over his head and, oh, I better be careful what I say. I'll be in the January 6th hearings myself. <laughs> I mean, hang Mike Pence, eh, maybe. Hang Mike Pompeo, eep. no, I got to shut up. <laughs> but seriously, this guy is, is like one of the most hideous uh, criminals against humanity in the whole history of criminals against humanity. Uh The least we can do is get him over to Spain to face justice.
1: Well, I mean, well, the CIA let him. He was head of the CIA at one point.
0: Yeah. Well, I would hope there's some people in the CIA that recognize, uh, that he really should be extradited or even renditioned. And in fact, those, you know, there are these CIA guys who have practiced with renditioning and I'll bet some of them actually know damn well that the people they need to rendition are people like Pampeo. And no. I wonder if they'll ever have the guts to go ahead and jeopardize their lives and their careers by doing things like that. I would hope so.
1: No, too many of them have died and too many of them have retired.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of CIA guys, and there are good ones as well as bad ones and ugly ones. And of course, the good ones probably have issues and don't, maybe don't last as long. Uh, one of the good CIA guys from back in the day, David C. McMichael, a CIA whistleblower, uh, resigned back in 1983 to go public with evidence that the Reagan administration was about to launch a coup against the government of Nicaragua. Uh, Congress then ended up rejecting, uh, the Reagan administration's request for aid to the Contras. And so the administration then hired Holly Holly North and and George H.W. Bush, of course, got involved with uh, the drug trade, and they used Bush's drug profits to fund the Contras. And that became the Contragate scandal. And John Kerry helped cover up the fact that George H.W. Bush is one of the world's biggest drug smugglers and had been the key point man in dealing with using these uh, drug profits to fund the Contras. And the guy who made all this stuff come out uh, to the extent that it has was David McMichael, a former CIA agent turned whistleblower. We need uh, thousands more CIA people to have the guts of this guy or even more guts and do things like rendition Mike Pompeo.
1: Yeah, well, what the obits left out and what I know for a fact was that David, uh, whom I'd known for years, uh, was one of the founding members of uh, John Stockwell's Association of Responsible Dissent Against Intelligence Services, and then he helped create the follow-on group after Stockwell screwed things up called the Association of National Security Alumni, which is made up of former intelligence officers, FBI officers, and people with outside knowledge like myself, uh to um uh publicize the uh the dreadful things that the intelligence service had done uh he was also uh, he was the chief editor of uh, unclassified the the association's magazine he was also married to um uh Deborah Davis who wrote the uh, hatchet job uh, Catherine the great uh, about Catherine Graham who was the owner and publisher of the Washington Post and uh, she went into detail about uh, the Post and their uh, ties to the Central Intelligence Agency. And um, basically, uh, they really didn't tell all of uh, David's background. And like me, he was invited to Iran a couple of times and never got a visa
0: for no reason. You wouldn't give him a visa?
1: Nope, wouldn't give him a visa.
0: Yeah, I guess it's tough being a CIA whistleblower. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, take, it takes guts. Um it's easier to be a CIA crook and uh, agent of a hostile foreign power that, and help them murder your own president, mm-hmm. among other crimes. And that's exactly what James Jesus Angleton, um, mm. whose middle name should have been Satan rather than Jesus, <laughs> uh, did. Um, James Jesus Angleton was head of counterintelligence for the CIA. He was notorious. He's been he's been notorious for decades now for seemingly being completely crazy and paranoid with his psychotic hunt for a mole in the CIA that went on for a decade plus and badly damaged the CIA. And guess what? It turns out he was the mole. But he wasn't working for the commies. He was working for Israel. guess what? He organized the murder of John F. Kennedy for Israel. The evidence for this is very, very strong. I urge people to read this article uh, by Laurent Guyano and draw your own conclusions.
1: Well, he's also got a link to a longer article tying uh, the murders of the Kennedys to uh, uh, the the apartheid entity that sells itself Israel. I mean – Angleton was their man in, the, in Washington. Uh, he was the exclusive contact between the United States and Mossad, the Israeli External Intelligence Agency.
0: That's right. And so the whole plot to make Oswald look like a communist agent, uh, which at the first level was, you know, they, what they used it for was to scare people like, well, uh, the Supreme Court Justice Earl Warren, among others, and I think Hale Boggs of Louisiana, uh, others who knew that this this whole st- story of if this assassination was nonsense they said well look oswald was a communist we think he did this for russia and cuba and if we expose the truth it'll be world war three and everybody will die so therefore you have to help us cover it up and that was why they sheep dipped oswald as a communist made it look like a communist killed the president that was the whole purpose of that and the mastermind of this was obviously angleton so it's uh i mean this jfk assassination has basically been solved now thanks to if if you read uh, James Douglas, uh, Michael Collins Piper, and Lauren Guillenot's work, which is an update of Piper's, you know who did it. And Angleton, I would say, is is right up there at the very top of the group that killed the president and basically killed the country. And speaking of assassinations, how about this attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh? And it's it was played way down at the bottom of the New York Times page, and the media is almost hardly talking about it, even though this was a serious attempt. Uh, a liberal named Nicholas John Roski was upset about the Uvalde shooting. Uh, he's a gun control nut, and so he was angry at the Supreme Court about gun control and abortion. So he took a black tactical chest rig and a tactical knife, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, a screwdriver, a nail punch, a crowbar, a pistol light, and duct tape, in addition to other items, and went to Kavanaugh's house and was all set to try to kill him when somehow he got caught. But because he's a liberal who's upset for good reasons, uh, apparently the media isn't making much of a case about it.
1: Well, they never really explained how it was that he got the handgun onto the airplane, since presumably the x-ray baggage, and look for things like that. You would think. Uh, and of course, in D.C., you're not allowed to own firearms unless you're a criminal. And he also called 911 uh, saying that he was reporting himself for trying to kill Kavanaugh, which... Uh, uh, is beyond belief, as far as I'm concerned. So that's
0: how they caught him. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Maybe there's a false flag aspect to that. But the trouble is, if it's a false flag, usually the media trumpets it. And so since the media is covering it up, it makes me think that it's not really a message that the mainstream media wants to send. In any case, so speaking of false flags, over in Uvalde, Texas, uh, and Angelique Gomez is speaking out. She's the heroic mom who. While the cops hung around for an hour while children were being murdered in the school, uh, and they they tried to keep her there, they wouldn't let her go. But she escaped and she jumped over a fence, uh, and rushed into the school to save her two sons on her own, and succeeded in saving them. And uh, then she got threatened by the cops with a ten-year-old probation violation. They threatened they were going to throw her back in prison if she talked about what she did. Uh, something stinks about this Uvalde situation, doesn't it, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean the doors of the school were locked supposedly so that these brave uh, border troll people couldn't use battering rams to break down the metal doors yet somehow a teacher had left the door open and propped it open and this crazy guy Ramos goes in there and then uh, for an hour is is in the school and nobody's doing anything despite his grandmother calling the police saying the guy had shot her and stole her truck. Uh, I mean you, you think the Texans had more sense than that. This is the place where they had the Texas Rangers. So I think the whole thing smells to high heaven. The guy is a high school dropout unemployed and somehow he gets $5,000 to find, to buy Daniel defense, uh, rifles that are $2,000 a copy and up. So it's, uh, it, it stinks to high heaven and demands an investigation. And of course the media plays it up and plays it up and plays it up, giving them more than 15 minutes of, uh, uh, Andy Warhol fame, uh, And uh, just encourages other people to come out and do this. The idea is to bury this nonsense, uh, report on it briefly, and and don't play it up and make these guys into uh, some kind of anti-hero.
0: But if you raise any questions about this, you should never be allowed to run for office in this country. That's the implication of our next story from NBC. Uh, House GOP candidate Carl Paladino is sharing a Facebook post claiming that the Buffalo and Uvalde shootings were false flag operations. In fact, the post simply said that the, there are strange occurrences that are never fully explained. Um And, of course, the media is jumping all over him. And I'm sure uh, probably Michael Chertoff at the <laughs> Ministry of Truth is jumping all over him, too. But he might still get elected because the people aren't really listening to the mainstream media anymore, which is great.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I, I think the, the guy's point is, is is a good one in that uh, there seems to be an increasing string of shootings uh, that are played up nationally by uh, the mass media, both print and radio and television. Uh, they all seem to have s- similar uh, backgrounds where they're known to be nuts. They have peculiar uh Ways of acquiring weapons, uh, despite the uh, national criminal—what uh, is it—the NCI, as yes, the National Criminal Investigative Service or whatever—that they, it's run by the FBI that gives you an instantaneous uh, readout on uh, whether you're a mass murderer, ex, uh bank robber, or a drug addict. Or like our uh, uh, former president uh, Biden's uh, son, who um, no, no, our, our president Biden's son, who was a drug addict, somehow yeah, we got somehow a revolver.
0: Indeed. So we have a great article on these shootings from Helen of Destroy. That's right. Helen Bidiski, our very own False Flag Weekly News sometime co-host, came on my show last night to discuss this article, Enjoying Your Membership in the Mass Shooting of the Day Club. It's uh, got Helen's trademarked uh, dark humor, and it makes a really good point, which I haven't seen many people make here, that Chertoff, who was the head of the criminal division of the Department of Justice, Uh, On 9-11 and is a key 9-11 suspect has his fingers in practically all of the most crooked uh, operations, including false flag operations of the 9-11 era. Among other things, he sat on the board of the Jeffrey Epstein-backed carbine 9-11. Now, that's the new one that this is just like he uh, owned RapoScan. He owned the company that made the RapoScan naked body scanning security machines in airports that were mandatory. After the underwear bomber, uh, Abdul Muttalib, was uh, caught uh, supposedly trying to detonate some non-detonatable material that he had stuffed down into his crotch, uh, an obvious publicity stunt for the RapoScan machines owned by Chertoff. Uh, now Chertoff is on the board of Jeffrey Epstein's Carbine 911, Israeli company out of Unit 8200, uh, and this company is now selling software that is supposed to solve the mass shooting problem. Mm-hmm. the way it works is everybody has to buy and install the software. And then if there's a mass shooting, the Mossad or unit 8200 over in Tel Aviv takes over your cell phone and everybody else's cell phone and can see everything that's going on, uh, on your phone and, uh, the camera and the microphone and so on and so forth. I can't wait to buy one of those and install it on my non-existent cell phone because I don't have a cell phone, but Chertoff uh, is, is just, uh, Oh, I mean, there are no words to describe this guy, Mike. Uh, you can go ahead and give it a try if you want, though.
1: No, no, I, I'm just going to say that I think Helen might have gone over the top in a couple of places in the article, uh, but uh, this business of the Unit 8200 is, is the Israeli equivalent of the National Security Agency or the British government communications headquarters. These are the people uh, that uh, read your mail and that uh, make uh, software that Pegasus was using, for example, to uh, monitor journalists all the way around the world, plus politicians.
0: Right. And, and to to cut up uh, Khashoggi with a bone saw, among other things. Uh, well, uh, more more uh, nasty, evil officials uh, <laughs> about our, our human rights commissar, Lyudmila Denisova. She's a former Ukrainian parliamentary commissioner for human rights. And she made up these hideous stories of Russian soldiers supposedly raping babies that got all over the media. And it turns out she lied and they fired her for lying. And now she's basically admitting that she lied, uh- well, at least she has enough uh, uh concern for the truth to finally come out and admit she lies, but she's still proud of lying. It's you know, like I heard on Wisconsin Public Radio the other day. It was actually OK to make up these insane stories about the uh, the ghost uh, of, of uh, Kiev or the, the heroic foul-mouthed martyrs of Snake Island because it cheered up the Ukrainians. And that's good. So it's OK to lie to cheer up the Ukrainians. Well, here, it, I guess she thinks it's OK to lie to claim that the Russians are monsters who rape babies because it brings more weapons into Ukraine. I mean, these are the kinds of people who rule the Ukraine and the United States right now.
1: Oh, exactly. And The Washington Post has more than a thousand journalists on staff, yet somehow they can't dig into this and reveal it before it happens or as it's happening, rather than repeating this nonsense and waiting for somebody uh, to say, hey, wait a minute, I've got proof that she did lie, and here it is.
0: Well, speaking of lies, how about this next, uh, neocon republic, I mean, new republic, uh, Yuki propaganda piece designed to corral all the leftists into the pro-Ukraine camp? Uh, and it, it starts out trying to make some talking points that you'll agree with by saying, well, Christopher Hitchens turned out to be wrong about Iraq, blah, blah, blah. And the left, the stupid leftist reader will kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it gets to the point that they want to brainwash you with, uh, which is that, um, in this case, the, you know, we, uh, we have to side with Ukraine because it's totally different from Iraq. Uh, and, and the big lie that comes maybe two thirds away of the article is quote, the Biden team clearly did not seek this war. In fact, they made a strenuous and very public diplomatic effort to avert it, which is bullshit. <laughs> Biden's administration created this war. They armed Ukraine to the teeth, following up on what Trump did, uh, put biological weapons labs right up against the Russian border all over the country and in, instituted a plan to, to build nuclear weapons for Ukraine, to get, help Ukraine get nuclear weapons. And the plan to bring them into NATO openly did it. And when Putin said, we need to negotiate, this is an absolutely urgent red light flashing case, come and please negotiate with me. Uh, they, uh, and please implement the, the, the Minsk Accords, Biden gave him the finger. It, this article is even more disgusting in a way than the lies. Of, uh, of what's her name, Skitskriva um, whatever it is, Denisova, and at least she's just screaming, the Russians are raping little babies! You know, that's kind of a straightforward lie. Here's a lie that's very cleverly set up after, you know, telling certain truths to target a well-meaning audience, to brainwash them to participate in sheer evil, and it's disgusting.
1: Well, I think it's brainwashing without using soap.
0: <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of the plot to nu- nuke Russia, I think that's our next story. Uh, so Thierry Mason, who was one of the first 9-11 truth researchers to get big time attention, his his book, uh, his first 9-11 book sold more books out of the box when it first came out than any other book in the whole history of French publishing and uh, basically got run out of the country for it his sources were all in french intelligence he still has a lot of french intelligence sources he lives in syria now and he's describing what led to this war which was the us planning a nuclear war between ukraine and russia uh and the uh, it 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 turns out that uh, huge amounts of nuclear fuel were being secretly transferred into ukraine by the us uh as well as the these biological weapons labs so unlike Uh, Bush and Colin Powell, Putin actually had a very good excuse for uh, trying to go after WMD in Ukraine, among many other reasons for this uh, completely defensive war that Russia is waging. It's, It's existential for Russia. They are under all out existential attack. If they if they lose, they're worse off than in the 90s when the country lost 10 years of life expectancy, which is worse than the equivalent of losing a, a horrific war and just being pounded by bombs. And uh, so this uh, situation is just completely insane. I, I am so disgusted that there are people who understand 9-11 and yet who are still on board with the mainstream media propaganda on this issue. And they need to read these things. Please read Maison's article and the other alternative sources that we're highlighting here on this show.
1: Well, he's a good Arab journalist, too, uh, as far as I know. And uh, it's kind of hard to read sometimes. It's thick prose, but by God, he hits the main points and opens up the the truth to people who want to take the time to read.
0: Well, it's machine translated, so it's clumsy prose, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's pretty good information. Well, the next slide uh, shows us just how Biden and NATO are pushing this war. They are you know, Putin says we absolutely, we're, we're going to have, you know, basically says it's World War three if you keep expanding NATO. And now here's NATO saying we're going to put nukes into Finland and Sweden and we're going to surround uh, the Baltic Sea, uh, which is Russia's naval uh, station uh, along with the Black Sea. And, uh, so, you know, if this goes through, I mean, we're, we're really, we are, I mean, the American people really, I guess, need to learn the lesson of what happens when a war is fought on your own territory, because we've never heard, had that lesson here like the Russians have, and so many other people have. And it's going to be a radioactive lesson, and it's coming real soon. Take my word. Take my word for it.
1: Yeah. Well, they ignore the fact that this goes back to 1914. Uh, the German empire, uh, said that they were surrounded. They were umgekreist, uh, by enemies, by the French who were allied with the Russians. Uh, and they were all allied with the British uh, so that they, they felt that uh, the minute somebody started to mobilize, they were going to put 70 divisions on the road to Paris. So they, these people don't realize what or how little it takes to start a general war. I mean, the the Archduke in, uh, in uh, Sarajevo, his car made a wrong turn and tried to back up and uh, in the process stopped. And uh, the, uh, the crazy anarchist on the sidewalk managed to shoot him and his wife. And then the war started just a month or so later. There so
0: as NATO announces it's putting nukes into, into these countries, uh, the USS Kearsarge uh pulls into Stockholm with 26 warplanes and 2,400 Marines and sailors, uh, basically saying NATO's, NATO's saying we're taking over the Baltic, we're making it our lake, uh, and we're pointing our nukes at, at your head. Um, that puts St. Petersburg almost within artillery range when, uh, if and when Finland joins the alliance. Again, you know, get get ready for nuclear war. I mean, we were clo- we were much closer to nuclear war than even the Cuban Missile Crisis five years ago. Uh so at this point it's basically inevitable. You know. Yeah. What, what can you say? And then the next slide, John Mersheimer, uh, one of our few uh, sensible foreign policy experts, uh, he's at the very top of his profession out of the University of Chicago, uh, points out the key fact here, which is this is an existential struggle for Russia. Putin is one of the doves in the Russian leadership. And this there's no possibility of victory here for NATO because Russia will incinerate NATO in the world before it will allow anything less than uh, a, a, a victory that assures Russian security against NATO. And yeah. so that's, you know, this is any realist policy analyst knows this, but our policy is being run by fanatical neocons and duped, brainwashed, theoretically well-meaning neoliberals, and uh, they're going to get everybody fried.
1: Yeah, they don't seem to remember, as the Russians remember, what happened during the Second World War. They lost 27 million people, which is the current estimate of soldiers and civilians, through uh, battlefield action and mass starvation, and the fact that uh, the Nazi armies were practically at the gates of Moscow. Uh, so I, the, the Russians know what it is to have a foreign invasion destroying your land, destroying your facilities, destroying your people. And they're not going to let uh, butt nugget Biden and uh, the Nazi American terrorist organization do it again to them. They, they see their existence as a nation, as a religion, as a culture uh, on the line.
0: Indeed. And they're, they're not going to permit, permit another uh, 1990s rape of Russia by the U.S., uh, in the 1990s, the U.S. oligarchs raped Russia. In our next slide, the Ellen Brown story about food for food from our own backyard, Ellen points out that dur- during the 1990s rape of Russia, when men- Russian men lost almost 10 years of life expectancy, total collapse of society driven by the pillaging of that country by U.S. and Zionist oligarchs after Russia had thought that it could uh, surrender and get good terms after the Cold War, And it was it was just raped and pillaged. And so in that time, Russians starved and they started growing food themselves on a massive scale. And by 2004, food gardens accounted for 51 percent of the total agricultural output of the Russian Federation. Thirty five million families, that's 70 percent of Russia's population, produces nearly half of Russia's agricultural output. And this is all people growing gardens around their their little houses. And here in the U.S., lawns are the single largest irrigated crop covering nearly nearly 32 million acres and drenching the entire landscape in pesticides. Uh, Meanwhile, the U.S., of course, tries to push uh, chemical agribusiness on the entire world. I mean, just this alone tells you, uh, I mean, who is on the side of right and good and who's on the side of evil in this clash between these two countries. Let's face it. We've met the enemy and he is us.
1: No, exactly. I mean, uh, if I kill the weeds in my yard th- with pesticides and, ca- and herbicides, I'd kill all the rabbits, the squirrels, and the occasional fox uh, that roam across my my real estate.
0: I hope you're not doing that. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got uh, maybe 1,000-plus square feet of permaculture-raised beds uh, here. So I'm in my, my little dacha. Uh, it's actually a log cabin, which is an American, uh, patriotic American dacha the kind that Abe Lincoln was born in. Uh, so, uh, you can't blame me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a lawn, you know, if you put a gun to my head. Uh, I, I would try to disarm you before I would grow a lawn. Lawns are sick, disgusting things. Anybody who has a lawn is, um, a moron and a criminal. Uh, and I'm sorry to insult many of my viewers, but that's the way I see it. Um, And I I see a lot of things differently than the run of the mill folks. And another issue that I really have a beef with the mainstream wisdom on is the question of whether women exist. Uh, I insist that there really is such a thing as women and and men, too, by the way. And uh, I guess that makes me a thought criminal. I'll probably be deplatformed from the Internet for, for thinking that. Uh, this New York Times story, Mike, is just, I can't believe what I'm reading. Driven by allies and activists for transgender people, medical government and progressive organizations have adopted gender-neutral language that draws few distinctions between women and transgender men, as well as those who reject those identities altogether. Today, pregnant people and birthing people have elbowed aside pregnant women. Uh, the CDC has a section on care for breastfeeding people. What can you say? I mean, should we burn the country down or should we just flee it?
1: Uh, We should put these people in an insane asylum and lock the doors. Uh, I go back and forth with a journalist in London, and uh, we exchange the most outrageous things we find in the press about this nonsense. Uh, uh, The the Babylon Bee even got to the point of putting up a satire on pregnant Ken dolls uh, who who can do chest feeding in his manly arms.
0: (sighs) God yeah it's 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 just crazy i mean obviously there's some kind of a divide and conquer operation going on where they use this kind of insanity to piss off the few sane people left who then they herd into one side of the political divide and they herd the other people off to the other one and uh basically blind them all to what's really going on but still and for uh a kind of darkly amusing take on this check out this film what is a woman i guess the film is i haven't seen the film but i did see the trailer and uh it's it's quite amazing these are the actual human beings i think uh who espouse these kinds of beliefs and use this kind of language it's hysterical. uh what planet are we on here
1: yeah yeah well the thing of it is that is that it goes to carol quigley a professor at Georgetown university uh saying semantics if you control semantics the words and their meaning you can get into double think where one thing means another thing and finally when you get to the end uh you've got uh Uh, kind of like in 1984, control of of, uh, the dialogue using specific words for specific things that are totally diametrically opposed to reality.
0: And of course, uh, the difference between men and women, the gender difference and and so on, is is just very basic to society, uh, to biology. I mean, it's, it's one of the most real things that exist in the universe. And to deny it is to be even more literally psychotic than, you know, somebody who thinks they're Napoleon or, or you know, believes that their spouse is a rock. I mean, it's just utterly bizarre. I, I can't believe the stuff I'm seeing these days. Uh, yeah, anyway. One last
1: example. Uh, this journalist uh, sent me a clip from uh, Amazon. Uh, it was a T-shirt you could buy that said uh, there's more than two genders. And when you looked at the, closely at the picture, it, it was listed as male or female type shirts.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I I know somebody who tried to bring up their little girl sort of, you know, gender neutral and really tried to push all the G.I. Joe and the boys clothes and all this stuff. And and this this girl just like insisted on growing up to love frilly stuff and all the super feminine stuff. And it it just totally didn't work. And I kind of suspect that human nature ultimately one way or another is going to reassert itself after this episode of um, mass formation psychosis passes. Speaking of mass formation psychosis, how about more evidence that the covid cures are worse than the disease? Uh, The vaccines have been linked to a new type of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, CJD. It's a brain disorder, uh, sometimes called mad cow disease. These researchers analyzed 26 cases uh, found on the average. The symptoms appeared uh, 11.38 days after the injection. And uh, you're basically going to be dead within months if this happens to you. A U.S. study has speculated that a misfolded spike protein could create a misfolded prion that could uh, trigger this disease. So uh, one more reason to be skeptical about these injections that don't stop COVID, they may improve your chances of surviving COVID for a, a few months at best, not the first month, but maybe from the second through fourth or fifth or sixth month the establishment evidence suggests that they would uh, lower your chances of having severe COVID or dying from it. But then after five or six months, it's worn off and you need that booster. And the booster lasts for an even shorter period uh, if it has any good effects at all. And then you need yet another booster. Each booster it has less efficacy for a shorter time. And then after you've gone through this process, you're actually more vulnerable to COVID and the ill effects of COVID, it appears, than if you had never gotten shot up in the first place. So giving these yeah. shots to kids who are in virtually no danger from COVID in the first place is completely insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, they all have this, these MRA, mRNA components that translate the DNA, which is the basic building block of your body, uh, into proteins. And uh, if they get them making the wrong proteins, you come down with mad cow disease.
0: Yeah, the spike proteins aren't very good even when they aren't misfolded. A properly folded spike protein is probably not so great either. Uh anyway, uh in the next story, uh more uh, cures worse than the disease. Uh, lockdowns are another cure that's worse than the disease. According to official figures, the world has lost 15 to 20 million people from COVID uh things, you know, COVID plus uh lockdowns and collateral damage and about 6 million plus people from COVID itself, meaning that the lockdowns and collateral damage has been far worse than COVID itself. And now we have a Bundestag expert committee coming out. This is the German parliament that finds that they sifted through all the evidence to try to find that the lockdowns actually accomplished anything. And it turns out that they didn't. So the the COVID industrial complex, of course is going to come out with both guns firing to try to stop this and to, to fire back at it. But, uh, Everything I've seen would suggest that this can't be very far from the truth.
1: Oh, I think that's right. I mean, I know this woman in Germany slightly, and uh, she was in the northern part of the country, and she and her small child were virtually locked down, and it was all she could do to get something to to eat uh, because she wasn't vaxxed, and uh, they had all the requirements that if you dare go out and and you're unvaxxed, uh, you're going to go to jail and be fined and whatever. So she had food delivered and spending an awful lot of money for that, which she didn't really have.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, lockdowns could work, uh, if you go to the Chinese model and make them super draconian. Um, they could work at least for a while, although China may still end up, uh, fighting with COVID and having its economy damaged for decades, uh, oh, if it well. continues with its zero COVID strategy, which may be what Pompeo intended when he hit uh, Wuhan and Com with COVID. That's where COVID came from. And, it may very well slow down China's long-term economic growth, which would have been Pompeo's and America's number one strategic interest in attacking China with COVID. So maybe they actually gamed it out and figured this is what the Chinese would do, and uh, that overreaction by China is going to slow the Chinese economy, and uh, the American COVID attack on China actually succeeded. Uh, That's one possibility, anyway. I just re-interviewed Ron Unz about uh, his new book. He's got his COVID as U.S. bioattack on China and Iran book in print now, Uh, So my radio listeners can stay tuned to that by way of the radio link at truthjihad.com. Moving on to war on Islam news. Uh, U.S. and uh, European countries are now going after Iran uh, as the nuclear deal has fallen apart. And so naturally, Iran is starting to shut down Western control and surveillance of their nuclear program. Uh, Now the U.S. and its his poodles in the EU are are barking wildly. Uh, So, Mike, are we going to have like a a two or three front war here, not only against Russia, but also against Iran and China?
1: Well, the people we have in office are dumb enough to do that. Uh, Certainly, they don't seem to think that the Israelis have atomic bombs, and that's a fine thing. And uh, God help the Iranians if they uh, want to uh, use peaceful nuclear energy, as President Eisenhower proposed. And the U.S., I think, gave them their first reactor. So I I think it's a blatant hypocrisy and outrageous lies, and you you shift the focus away from the the, uh, the Zionist entity and uh, aiming at Iran, which is uh, simply trying to exist.
0: So as Biden continues Trump's Zionist war on Iran, he's also rocking the Middle East, as CIA retiree Philip Giraldi points out. by the way, Phil was with us over in Iran on our last visit to Iran at that conference that we all attended. And so Philip Giraldi in this, uh, this article, Biden rocks the Middle East points out that Biden looks like he is now, or when we say Biden, of course, that's in quotes because this regime is, is hardly, it's, uh, apparently quasi senile, uh, frontman. In any case, the Biden regime is partitioning Syria. That is, this is an illegal invasion. The U.S. has, No right to be in Syria. I mean, anybody who thinks Russia shouldn't be in Ukraine should be at (laughs) least equally angry that the U.S. is in Syria against the wishes of the Syrian government. Um, And the Iraqi parliament, meanwhile, just uh, voted to criminalize uh, people advocating normalization ties with Israel. And the Biden regime is pushing back against that. And now things are heating up in Syria, where U.S. allied Israel is now... Uh, getting shot at by Russian S-300s when it tries to bomb Syria. Israel's been bombing Syria a uh, practically daily basis, uh, forever, and now it looks like the Russian S-300s may slow that down or even put a stop to it. So things are heating up in the Middle East, too. Again, it looks like a, a two- or three-front war.
1: Well, Americans like to divide countries. Uh, Syria is the latest example. They want to give the Kurds in the northeast uh, where a good bit of the arable land is and where the oil is to them and support them and take away all the sanctions against them that are applicable to the rest of the country. Uh, so I, I think that uh, it's uh, it's an outrage and they're basically, they're playing with divide and rule uh, and, and playing up the Kurds uh, that are scattered through Syria, Iraq and Iran. And in the past when the United States backed uh, the Kurds uh, when Henry Kissinger was in power, uh, he pulled the rug out from under them when it was no longer convenient to play footsie with the Kurds.
0: You'd think the Kurds would learn something. Uh well, more war on Islam news. Uh Rana Ayyub ushered a pretty good piece, surprisingly, from the Washington Post, which is not our favorite newspaper, uh, about this uh, leading BJP, that's the uh the fascist, racist uh Indian National Party that Modi heads, uh some of their t- two of their top spokespeople. Uh, just got fired because they were uh denigrating and blaspheming against prophet Muhammad peace upon him on uh, the biggest TV networks in India. So Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Libya, Turkey, the Maldives, Iraq, Indonesia, and many other countries all protested. And India wants to keep its trade with them. So they fired those guys, but somehow I don't think this is going to really stop the slow motion attempt to impose a genocide on everybody in India who isn't Hindu.
1: Well, I can add a footnote to that. Uh- the, this BJP, the, uh, the Indian Nationalist Party, the Modi and company uh, that's stirring the pot there, uh, they have a foothold in America. Aruna Miller, according to a contact I have, uh, is running for Lieutenant Governor of Maryland on the Democratic ticket. Uh, she is being bankrolled by money from these people in India that spread very carefully through, uh, uh, front organizations and people in the, from all over the United States, so they're avoiding the uh, the restrictions on foreign contributions to American politics. And she is fully on board with this Hindu nationalism business, and she's running for an American political office in Maryland, which is corrupt as all hell to begin with.
0: Oh, boy. Well, uh, birds of a feather. Well, we're going to end the show with some brave new world news. Uh, first, you can get a taxi now without a driver in San Francisco. They just got approved. They've been doing it, but they didn't demand money for it. Now they're allowed to demand money for it. And then finally, we're going to end the show uh, with some positive, uplifting, heartwarming good news. That's right. Here at False Flight Weekly News, we try to focus on solutions as well as problems. And So here's the solution to the climate change problem that will bring tears to your eyes. Tears of joy, of course. Uh, UK school children to be fed bugs to stop climate change. Now, you may ask why this is such good news. Well, not only is this a solution to the climate change problem, but it's actually much better than it first looked. When I first saw the headline, I thought it said, UK school children to be fed two bugs to stop climate change. (laughs) It involved vast swarms of voracious bioengineered mosquitoes, along with 10 foot long carnivorous cockroaches. And you do not want to know the details of that story. So the good news is that the horrible story was not true, because in reality, it's the kids that are going to eat the bugs and not the other way around.
1: So that will stop you from using pesticides and herbicides on your lawn to kill bugs and weeds. So that's good go. for the environment.
0: Brave new world that has such people in it. At least it has people in it for now, but I don't know if it will next week. <laughs> but if it does, we'll be back to talk about it. Uh, thank you, J. Michael Springman. Always fun doing the show with you, Jay Mike.
1: Yeah, I always like it. It gives me a chance to speak my mind, which I don't get enough uh, opportunity to do.
0: Well, you can speak your mind all you want on False Flag Weekly News, and I think our viewers hopefully appreciate it enough to help us out and keep our fundraiser going. Uh, thank you all. Take care. God bless. See you next time.
1: Okay.